Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Friday, October 15th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, uh, late night, if you stayed up late enough, you, you got to see the uh, the end of the Dodgers and uh, Giants series. It was exactly what Major League Baseball wanted. Uh, two rivals uh, going down to the ninth inning, at, you, know, you know, tied uh, one run apiece. Well-pitched game, exciting edge-of-your-seat sort of stuff. Uh, the Giants give up a run on a Cody Bellinger RBI single in the top of the ninth. And then with uh, the tying run at first base in the bottom of the ninth, the controversy set, sets in. Umpire Gabe Morales rings up Flores on the check swing third strike, and the Dodgers go on and win the series in, uh, in three games to two. Uh, what'd you think of the result there? Uh, just a, a really a good game, Joe. I got so mad when the when I was pulling for the Giants, so I got so mad when the Dodgers scored in the top of the ninth that I turned it off, so I didn't see the check swing. But like you said, it was just a great game, uh, strategy all over the place. And I was looking at Joe; they they have played twenty four times this year, both the Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, and they they split though they're twelve and twelve. Wow! The, the Giants went ten and nine in the regular season, and now uh, you know the uh, the Dodgers go three and two in the division series. So you can't get much closer. What one team wins one hundred and seven in in the regular season? The Dodgers to win the division, and the Giants are or I mean the Dodgers are game back at one hundred and six victories. Yeah, and uh, well now they they each have uh, what one hundred and ten wins. Uh, you know, or 109 wins for the season because uh, that's how even evenly matched they were throughout the the year, and it was uh, that's a compliment to uh, the Giants for the way that they played and, and you know sort of exceeded expectations this year. But I want to go back to uh, you know you said you you said you didn't see the the check swing uh, at you know live. Did you did you happen to catch a, a video of it or, or see? No, I, I have not. I didn't look at it. No. I Okay. Uh, and, and if you looked at it, if you get a chance to see it, uh, really, the Giants have plenty to gripe about. I mean, the, that game should have at least extended by one more pitch. Uh, and, uh, you know, we haven't even gotten into who was throwing that pitch yet, and we, we will in a second here. But, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about just 
the most egregious check swings that you you've ever seen. Uh, when when I saw this play, when I saw uh, umpire Gabe Morales ring up Flores and just basically walk off the field, uh, and you know there's there are umpiring principles that say you know unless you know for sure, don't don't go ahead and pull the trigger on that, especially when it's it, it decides the series right there. It it, it ends the series uh, on a, on a walk off check swing. I mean. Uh, sort of a, a lot of things go into, you know, reasons why it's, it's a really, you know, just poor example of umpiring, but, you know, I immediately went back to uh, back in 2016, the Indians were playing uh, at home against the Marlins in September. And it was the first inning and there was uh, Carlos Santana was on first base and Jason, Jason Kipnis uh, had a check swing on a three, two pitch. Uh, from uh, Marlins uh, starting pitcher and it, it, it Kipnis knew he, he had swung Kipnis thought oh that's it I'm just walking back and actually Santana was was leaving for second base he was he was thrown out on the play at second base but dead ball they they ruled Santana gets second base because Kipnis had checked his swing when they appealed uh, down to third base the third base umpire said no swing and Kipnis had just gone all the way through. He, he was actually walking back to the dugout. He knew he had, he had swung the bat. Uh, it, it just, in my mind, it, it sort of triggered uh, a whole, you know, that's such a difficult call to make for any umpire and it can change the game so much. I, is there any sort of, uh, you know, recourse or anything that you can do uh, to, to sort of police this or change this? Uh, Cause you know, people are going to be talking about it the entire offseason. Yeah, that's a great uh, point, Joe. And, and it's such an, uh, you know, a hazy kind of uh, uh, decision. There's no rule, you know, no set steadfast rule in the rule book that defines a check swing. I mean, mm -hmm. it just uh, it's the umpire's decision. And uh, th obviously they can't replay it, right? I, I don't think it's right. Yeah, it's not governed by replay. And so that's maybe, what that's what people are going to be talking about now is can we can we add this to the you know, what's reviewable. If you can go in and review whether a guy got hit on the, on the wrist or on the, on the nub of the bat, and you're looking that closely at, at something there, why can't you review a check swing from yeah, the high yeah. angle behind home plate? What, why can't you do that? Yeah. And, and you got to define it. What, what is a check swing and what, it, you know, what is, what constitutes a swing? Is and, it, and, does a bat have to be out in front of the plate? Does it have to be out in front of the hitter's knee? You know, you, you see all sorts of different calls when that comes, when right. that, when that right. comes into play. And it, it's going to be probably handled like uh, like a like the strike zone is handled. That's the thing. You know, every umpire is going to have his own interpretation of that unless you make it a, a hard and fast rule. You know, did the barrel of the bat go across the plate and out into, into fair territory, you know, in front of the plate? Did the, the batter's wrists turn over? Did... You know, did he turn his body completely? And it, there are a lot of different cues that those those umpires use down the uh, down the baselines. I'd be interested to, to talk to maybe uh, an umpire or two just to get their thoughts on, you know, what they always rule is it is a, a strike and what's not. You know, did he go or didn't he go? And you know, could the could the home plate umpire have overruled uh, or you know, before they even asked? It, it was it was immediate. He, they looked down the first baseline and they asked immediately, could the umpire at, at home plate have said, 
you know, I saw it maybe and not asked Gabe Morales. Uh, all, all very interesting. And, and just the, the fact that, you know, I knew it as soon as it happened, I, I sort of tweeted out and I said, you know, look, we're going to be talking about check swings now. <laughs> the most exciting part of baseball, check swings on, uh, on strikes. I, I don't know. It, it just seems like all this thing, you can, all these things you can do with stat cast and all these things you can do with, you know, tracking the ball and, and monitoring all these things with technology. Why can't you, uh, you know, add something that would say whether the bat went through the strike zone or not. I, yeah, I mean, it's something to definitely look at. I'm sure they don't want to add another layer of replay to, to lengthen out the game, but they, those things go pretty fast now. They've got that down to a science. Yeah, I, I, the general uh, review time for, for replays is, is around, you know, a minute, minute and a half, uh, you know, it, it starts to get past two minutes and people start getting antsy. So uh, nowadays, maybe maybe they can look at it on, on replay, but wow, that, that could lead to a whole other mess too as, as well. Uh, if you're the Giants, uh, you're, you're sort of licking your wounds about it, but uh, the Dodgers, hey, the Dodgers found uh, another closer. Hey, and uh, Mac, they bring Max Scherzer in to pitch the ninth inning and he strikes out a pair in the inning. Uh, and afterwards, you could tell, uh, what 35 year old Max Scherzer is enjoying himself in this postseason right now. He's outside running around on the, on the field uh, in San Francisco without a shirt on. Uh, <laughs> nobody had more fun last night than Max Scherzer. Yeah. He's, he's really, I, I love that guy. I, I remember there's a game when he was with Detroit and he was pitching against the Indians. The Indians scored like seven runs against them early. And uh, he, but it, when it came to the seventh inning, he was still in there. And I think the game was close. It was either tied up or, you know, it was just at back at like seven, seven, or the Tigers were down one run. And, I, and to me that said, you know, that, that to me defined what a starting pitcher does. You know, you, you keep your team in the game. You, you keep, you know, you, you just keep pitching, you know, you don't, you don't get knocked out. And maybe, I don't know, I forget who the manager was. They might've been afraid to take Scherzer out. I don't know. But, well, he's been known to fight managers who want to take him yeah, out. So, but he's really an intense guy. He's fun to watch, man. He, he, I, I love watching him. Uh, the Dodgers uh, last night actually announced uh, before the game that Corey Kniebel would start. Uh, they, they shifted to an opener strategy. Uh, you know, Logan Webb went for San Francisco. He pitched seven brilliant innings, gave you the traditional starter look. And, and really, San Francisco is more the team that you would think would come out with, uh, you know, the, the newfangled, uh, the new age, new analytics, and, and starting an opener in a game like that. But here, uh, last minute, Dave Roberts pulls the opener out of the hat, uh, and then he gives uh, uh, Luis Urias uh, the, uh, the, the chance to come in after that. That's your 20-game winner in the National League, uh, Urias. Uh, I just uh, – were you surprised to see the, the change in strategy at the last minute by the Dodgers? Yeah, I was really surprised. But, you know, when you think about it, you know, Andrew Friedman is running the Dodgers. He came from Tampa Bay where, you know, they invented the uh, opener strategy. So I guess that's where that came from. But, you know, deep down inside of me, tra the traditional inside of me, I was rooting for the Giants because – I just thought that was okay. Come on, game five, you're going to start playing these games, but, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. And who who comes? To, I guess you know, eventually the Giant. I mean, the Dodgers win it. It worked for the Giants, but like you said, Logan 
Logan Webb pitched seven innings of you know one run or you know seven scoreless innings, right? So I mean, yeah, who comes out on top on that? And Canable and the two, you know, Urias and Gratterall, you know, and well, they, they use four guys to go what eight innings, and then right. And then Scherzer. I, I mean, there's something to it. If it works, it's it's hard to beat because you've set up a, a guy who would normally be a starter. You've set him up to to give you, you know, his best facing the bottom of the lineup or facing facing a lineup less than three times uh, through. And yeah, I can see if it if it works, it's great. If it doesn't work, then you've got people second guessing you all over the place. So. Uh, work for Dave Roberts. Uh, I guess it's always good to have a Max Scherzer in <laughs> sort of holding yeah. him in reserve. Um, yeah, th- a $30 million a year of closer is not bad. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, I saw a couple of uh, tweets of, of guys speculating, hey, you know, I don't know how long, uh, how much longer Max Scherzer, Scherzer can pitch at a high level as a starter, but I'll bet you if he started right now, he'd be the top closer in all of baseball. And, and oh, that's, man. you know, probably not uh, not too far off for the truth. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, that was the the end of the NLDS. And now the uh, Dodgers move on to face Atlanta. They will open the National League Championship Series uh, this weekend in Atlanta. Uh, as for uh, other news out of the National League yesterday, uh, we found out that Mike Schilt will be uh, no longer the manager in St. Louis. Uh, he's three and out three seasons in St. Louis, and, and uh, he's parting ways with the club. And it sounded like there was a, a, a philosophical difference between Schilt and the front office there in St. Louis. Yeah, definitely. I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall when, when that decision was made or if that, you know, meeting uh, – <laughs> how that came about and how that decision came about because you know what the the Cardinals have made what 17 three straight uh, playoff appearances uh they won the 17 straight late in the season to get into postseason uh and now your manager's gone so obviously you know there were uh, there was some headbutting going on there was a, some disagreements and you know I mean, there's only 30 jobs, 30 big league jobs, managing managerial jobs, and if you walk away from one, you you really must have been upset about that. Yeah, that really sounds like maybe it was something to do with roster construction or how uh, how they were approaching the off season. But you've got Nolan Arenado, you've got Paul Goldschmidt, uh, you've got a, a really good uh, you know core of pitchers and, and a foundation there where. It's a job that is, it, nobody would want to walk away from that unless there was, you know, just a situation uh, that you, you couldn't move forward with, uh, you know, your, your boss in the uh, in the in the front office. But uh, the candidates right now that we're seeing uh, early on, uh, Stubby Clapp, the first base coach for the Cardinals, Oliver Marmol, the, the bench coach, uh, Skip Schumacher, who has. Uh, a lot of history with the Cardinals. He's a Padres coach and Jose Akendo, who's their minor league infield coordinator. Uh, like you said uh, earlier, the, um, the Cardinals look like they, they like to promote from within when they, when they hire a manager. Yeah. I think what the last uh, Matheny, Mike Matheny was the last guy that got fi- fired there. And 
Uh, now he's with uh, the Royals, of course, but, uh, you know, it's a good, good organization. But I got to think, Joe, I mean, that's, so that's such an attractive job that there's, they're def they'll have to bring in somebody from the outside to, uh, you know, to interview, I would think. And, uh, but, you know, the, I think, you know, we've talked about this before, that, that the role of manager, you know, has really changed. You know, mm -hmm. you, you know the front office is kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're your partner right now. You, the, the, uh, unless you're a guy like Terry Francona or something, you're not really, you know, really calling the shots, every shot here. You, you've got, you know, front office guys making the lineup out for you. And, uh, you know, it's that, that kind of thing. So, you know, teams, you know, maybe want younger, more, con more, more managers control, that yeah, can right. control. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're exactly right that nowadays the philosophy or the philosophical direction of the front office maybe guides that decision on who the manager or, or who, who can work best with a front office on that sort of philosophy has that same sort of vision. Uh, Cleveland has sort of the best of both worlds in that, in that you've got a figurehead in Terry Francona, who's got the credibility and got the old school approach, but he works so well with Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff that there's, there's no obvious sort of power struggle there where, you know, it's, this is what you can tell. This is what Antonetti and Chernoff want happening. It's always some sort of an agreement between the two, the two parties. And, and they, they, they're in such lockstep with each other that uh, it, it, it's really, you know, it, it doesn't cause a lot of that drama or anything like that. You would never, you, you would be, I would fall out of my chair if I heard that Terry Francona was stepping down because of some headbutting with uh, Antonetti and Chernoff. That, that just, I could never picture that happening. Yeah, I agree with you there, Joe. And, uh, but this is, you know, this is, baseball has changed. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and, you know, the, the, what gets me is the front office always has the cover. You know, they, they can, nobody really goes after the front office guys for a, a lineup a change or, uh, you know, a, a move during a game. Uh, the manager is always out front on those and he always takes the hit, but, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of moving parts going on behind the scenes there. Yeah. I just, I, it takes me back to, you know, a couple of scenes in the movie uh, Moneyball with Brad Pitt and uh, uh, you know, Art Howe, uh, Billy Bean and Art Howe and the, the given the, the back and forth between the two of them. Uh, again, that's Hollywood and who knows, you know, whose side was, was more accurately represented in that. But uh, that's the kind of thing that I, I sort of think about when, when these situations crop up. All right. We uh, are looking at the opener of the American League Championship Series uh, tonight down in Houston. Chris Sale for the Red Sox, Framber Valdez for the uh, Astros as they once again meet in the American League Championship Series. Uh, Lance McCullers Jr. will miss the series. Uh, he's got a sore forearm. Uh, he was sort of the workhorse and, and you know stud for Houston in uh, two games in the division series uh, in their win there against the White Sox, but he will not be one of the weapons that uh, Dusty Baker can go to in the uh, in the American League Championship Series. Uh, what's your prediction? What do you, what do you see happening in this series? Boy, this is, this is a good series, Joe. They, they, this will be the third time they've met in the postseason. you know, in the last maybe four or five years. Um, 
you know, you've got, uh, you know, I kind of like, I kind of like Boston, maybe just because of the pitching, a little bit of their pitching, but Chris Sale, who's going tonight, you know, he scares me a little bit. He, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's a little shaky. I mean, I know he had, he's coming back from the Tommy John. He came back, he went, what, he went five and one in the regular season uh, when he rejoined the, the Red Sox, but in his, you know, he, he gave what, uh, he gave, Jordan Luplo hit a grand slam against him in, in the, you know, in the postseason. So against Tampa Bay. So, you know, he's a little shaky. He's one of those guys that if he gets going, you can't beat him. But if you get him early, you know, he's, he's bang, he's out of there. And I don't think, right. uh, you know, uh, a Cora is going to wait, wait very long if he's struggling. Right. And, you know, Houston's offense has the ability to, to sort of uh, strike fast and, and, and put a bunch of runs on the board. We saw that against Chicago. You know, Chicago was a, a well-balanced team. Chicago had a lot of uh, a, a lot in terms of pitching, starting pitching and, and a, a decent enough bullpen. And Houston just went right through them and, and still hit the ball. You know, you, you, that group has been together for a while now. Uh, and with the big differences, when Carlos Correa is hot in the middle of that lineup, uh, they, they tend to, to be able to score a lot uh, and, and it lengthens their lineup out. Uh, I, I think I go with Houston in this one. I, you know, I, they, they, they might figure out a way to win a game or two in Boston. I, I don't see this series going the full seven games. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. Uh, you know, I've just, just listened to some of these averages, you know, from the uh, division series, Joe, uh, Cora's hit was hit 385. Bregman hit 325. Uh, Brantley hit 368. Altuve 313. You know, they, they were on fire. I mean, all they did was hit that whole series against Chicago. Uh, so, you know, and, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, Boston has some counter to that. Uh, Kiki Hernandez hit 435, had the great, the great series. Bogart 350, Verdugo 348. Schwarber was six for 19. So, you know, that's, uh, it, it, you know, the two pretty equally matched uh, offenses, but, you know, I think uh, maybe maybe Houston has an edge on on pitching, but you know without McCullers, that's it's kind of a toss up to me. Yeah, that makes it a little uh, a little less uh, of a sure thing. Uh, it'd be fun to watch. We'll we'll keep an eye on it here uh, as we go through the weekend, and and uh, we'll be back with you guys again on Monday. Another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Twenty, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.